the vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Uptrich Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Welcome to the Christine Eptrich Show here on 1150 AM KKNW in the Seattle area and on Transformation Talk Radio around the world. We're really grateful you joined us here today. And I want to say hello to the man behind the technology, Mr. Benny Mathers. Good morning, Benny. Hi, Christine. Welcome back. Thank you. Another one for you, I guess. You know, it's... uh, it was hard to come from Tucson to the floodwaters. Oh, where you were. Yes. And I know Lucky. there are people complaining because it got cold down there. But, you know, it's uh, it was okay with me because because there was sunshine. Mm-hmm. We're trying to dry things out up here in the Pacific Northwest. And we made national news this morning, apparently, on all the rain we've had. We're breaking records and uh, flood warnings. both. So uh, just can't stress enough. Be careful while you're out commuting around. Uh, these next couple of days. We will start drying out next week a little bit, but, you know, the rivers, I don't know, uh, I have friends that work out at the hatchery out in Issaquah. Uh-huh. Oh, I've seen, it's, did I've you seen see that? video of that. Man. Oh, my goodness. So yes. it's like the salmon can just go wherever they want now because it's literally above the the levels. And, yeah, uh, it's above the fences, and, so. it's and mm-hmm. you know, I've seen video of, like, kids in rafts going down the streams <laughs> next to the side of the street. I yeah. mean, it's, and I've, my... You know, my lawn is turned into river. It's a various it's places. A, a, a mog, a mushy bog. Yes, <laughs> it's yes, a mog. Yes. I'm gonna come up with a new word. <laughs> oh, and you know, and like I know some people are trying to get through and, and around traffic. Traffic's been pretty messy too. Just roads are closed. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. of course, the, the detours and the delays and all that. Just it's going to be expected for the next few days. So just have yeah. that in mind, yeah. and you'll get a you'll get up to where you need to be safely. That's what yes. we want. Yes, absolutely. Got a couple of exciting announcements. Okay. Today marks the, the beginning of the eighth year of the Christine Upchurch Yay! Show. Yay! All right. <laughs> Woo! On the Ocho. We're getting close to that double digit mark there. I know. And it's it's funny because I was dragged into radio. I, I have no dragged idea. Into no, radio. I mean I was you know, I was on the guest <laughs> side of the mic many times and then but it was dragged into the host side of the mic. Literally, oh, like God. almost dragged into it. Like, don't you want to have your engine? No, no, no. Don't you want to have your engine? And I love this. I absolutely love this. It's, it's you know, a, sh- a short period of time every week, but it's something that brings me a lot of joy, mm-hmm. and it's my community service to the world. Yeah, I think you face that slight little fear that a lot of people have on a new adventure, uh-huh. and it worked well. Yeah. I, I was feeling a little overwhelmed, and so I ah, figured, we got you your know, back. Don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah. Got another exciting announcement. Oh, okay. Announcement. Um, All right. Panache Desai is coming to Seattle. Cool. Yes, he's going to be at the First Baptist Church March 5th. Okay. It's Thursday, 9.30 or 7.30 to 9. He's also got a, like a pre-event with, with, you know, where he, it's kind of exclusive and mm-hmm. you get to. A little meet and greet meet type and thing. Greet. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Sure, sure. Um, and he's going to be talking about his new book, You Are Enough, Revealing the Soul to Discover Your Power, Potential, and Possibility. And he's also going to be on the show later in this month. So Great. I'm really excited about that. And we're supporting his event. Speaking of being excited about guests, 
I'm very excited about our guest today. He's been on at least a couple of times before, um, and he's one of the channels I pay attention to. There are a lot of people out there channeling, and I think that there's, a, there's some quality channeling out there. Don't get me wrong, um, but I'm very, very particular about you know who I feel in alignment with, and he is one of them. I'm talking about Paul Selig. He's considered to be one of the foremost spiritual channels working today. Um, he has written several books of channeled uh, material, I Am the Word, The Book of Love and Creation, The Book of Knowing and Worth, The Book of Mastery, The Book of Truth, and The Book of Freedom. Um, and right now, he's got a new one out called Beyond the Known, Realization. He's, he's originally from New York City, and he got his master's degree at Yale. So he's got, like, the, the intellectual, rational side of his brain going well, too. Uh, back in 1987, a spiritual experience left him as a clairvoyant. And he has sort of <laughs> shifted his life and helped to shift the world based on the channel information he brings in. Oh, gosh, he's been on all sorts of media um, well beyond the Christine Upchurch show, such as ABC News, Nightline, Fox News, um, Guy MTV's Beyond Belief, and the documentary film PGS, Your Personal Guidance System. Um, he's been on Coast to Coast AM with George Nury, Afterlife TV, and taught various places. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Paul Selig. Hey, Paul. Hi, thanks for having me back. It's so nice to have you here. Um, you know, you and I were talking right before we got on, and... Uh, this book is different in some way, and I can't really put my finger on it. I know a little bit about, you know, how you're saying it's different. I want you to be telling our listeners in a minute. But there's, from um, a vibrational place, it feels different to me. How is this different, and why did you write this book? Well, you know, I don't write the book, so I actually sit in a chair and I close my eyes. And there's usually, you know, 50 to 200 people in the room. And the, the books are all dictated, um, spoken um, mm. in channel sessions and then transcribed. It's the unedited transcriptions that become the book. The mm. guides are pretty clear. They'll dictate. They'll say, this is the introduction. Uh -huh. This is the title. This is the beginning of chapter one. And that's what the books are. So I don't have any agenda for these books other than being present for them when mm. they're ready to start. I mean, I'm because there's a publisher involved, I tend to have a sense of when these things may happen, but they happen over the course of 30 sessions, sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, over, say, two months you know, um, or so when I'm traveling and doing events. Mm -hmm. This is a different book. It's a very different book. Um, you know, energetically, uh, the end of the, the sixth book, which was the Book of Freedom, the mm -hmm. guides invited their readers across a threshold to a new life. Right. And the book, Beyond the Known Realization, is the book of what they call the upper room, which is the higher mm. octave. It's about how to align vibrationally to what they say is Christ mind or the octave above the collective reality, which they mm. call an octave of agreement that we've shared and known ourselves through. So it's a big step. And in many ways, I suspect that the prior books were the prerequisites, you know, for, mm -hmm. for what they're able to teach now, certainly for me, because I'm, you know, I'm not a spiritual teacher. I'm not a guru. I don't mm -hmm. consider myself to be enlightened. I don't 
but I am a student of this work, and I do show up for it in the best way that I can, mm-hmm. um, you know, for the teachings that come through. So how did you go from um, your more traditional kind of job and your traditional, more traditional perspective on reality to mm-hmm. channeling these entities? Well, it was a process. You know, I, I was raised sort of an atheist. I had a, a good education. You know, I had a career that I was expected to, to be a part of. And, you know, when, when I was 25, I sort of derailed a bit. And I had the list of the things that I thought I needed to achieve to be okay in the world. Mm-hmm. I got the whole list. I wasn't okay. And it was really out of sheer necessity that I began to look for something more. I wasn't looking to become spiritual, but sometimes in life, you're sort of, you know, put in a position where you understand that you have to to go to something beyond um, what has been there for help. And that's what I did. And I began to open up. But, you know, my opening psychically began at 25 and continued. But I'd been teaching, you know, I had a master's degree. I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting to teach with it, but that's what master's degrees are good for. Mm-hmm. And um, and I taught for 25 years at NYU, and I ran a graduate program at Goddard, which is a wonderful small college in, mm-hmm. in Vermont. And, um, you know, I did those things while I was developing my, my other abilities. I had a group that met in my living room for 18 years where we would, you know, put up some folding chairs, we'd close our eyes, and the energy that the guides come with would come through in very tangible ways. Uh And, you know, the channeling began there. The way that I channel now, which is, you know, in lecture, the guides can, you know, come through for 20 minutes to an hour Mm -hmm. of just teaching in one sitting. And when they're doing a book, sometimes, you know, three hours over the course of a day, it's not uncommon. Um, That began back, I think, in 1998, around the time I quit smoking cigarettes. I'd been a heavy smoker, and I think was using that intentionally to numb myself because, Mm. you know, I'm I'm sensitive and it's not always comfortable. But once my system was cleaned out, and they told me I had to stop, and I did, and they they really, they said, if we'd like to continue working with you, but you must address this Mm -hmm. if we are to be able to, and so I did quit. And um, and that's when, you know, the way that I work now came into being. Once the book started coming through, which was in 2000, the first one was published in 2010, uh-huh. channeled in 2009, it began became a little harder to stay under the radar, um, you know, in my conventional life. And after the third book, I think, was out, I finally threw up my hands and said, okay, you know, I'm clearly is what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't pretend that it's not. You know, I used to have a website when I first got one without my name on it or my photograph. I didn't want Uh people to know who I was. Oh, wow. So you could only get an appointment with me if you, you know, it was like a speakeasy. You had another password. (laughs) You had to know somebody to get an appointment. And, you know, that was all fear. So, you know, it's been a process for me of, of coming out, being visible. And I did let go of, of the teaching life that I'd had and in many ways really loved um, about four and a half, five years ago uh-huh. now, and am still adjusting to the fact and surprised that this is my life, that uh-huh. what I'm known for now is as a channel and, um, and a psychic. And, you know, these those aren't identities I would have claimed comfortably even 15 years ago. They sure. were things I did 
but I certainly didn't think of it as a livelihood, nor was I looking for it to be that. I find it interesting that there's um, this judgment that, of course, turns into self-judgment about what some of the things, what some of these things should look like. I remember Mm. when I first got guidance that I was to be a healer, um, when I started to really listen and believe it, I thought, but I can't dress like that. (laughs) You know, the the flowing, you know, flowered skirt and the, the, Mm. the, the reeking of incense and the, you know, the the multiple bracelets clanking together and, you know, it, it was sort of like, no, I was to be a healer, but to be geared more towards the mainstream. And I think of somebody like you who, you know, wasn't out there with the woo-woo, um, who has this very impressive teaching background, and here you are doing this. So I think in some sense it adds a sense of legitimacy to what it is you're offering. Well, you know, I have a conventional pedigree if you want to look at those things sure. and if you want to put stock in those things, and some people do. I'm an unlikely candidate uh-huh. for this in some ways. But when I look back at my life, you know, I I love teaching college. You know, it made 10 years before I stopped, I found that I was unable to work with lecture notes. It had to be in the moment. Uh-huh. And when I was a writer as a young man, you know, I was inducing trance before I wrote without knowing that I was doing it. I Wonderful. put one piece of music on loop and keep it on for hours. And uh-huh. I would just let my hands run across the keyboard. So, you know, in some ways, the skill set was present. I just didn't know what the capacity was until it began to happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a trained medium. You know, I'm not a trained channel. Uh-huh. These things happened, and I've learned to accept them through the doing of them. Yes. But yeah, you know, I, you know, I'm a, I'm an overweight guy in his fifties. I've never worn all white. I probably uh-huh. never will. Uh-huh. You know, I don't care, truthfully. And you know, when I, I often say, you know, I don't look right. I don't sound right. I don't channel gracefully. I, I don't watch other channels, but once in a while, somebody will sort of float by on the social media mm-hmm. feed. And and I'll go, boy, that looks easy and elegant, and I've never <laughs> been that graceful right. doing this in my life. It's a very physical process for yes. me, and, and challenging in some ways, too. And it, and it, you, you are channeling such wisdom, and we're going to get into more of that here in just a few moments. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On the Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. If you struggle with fear and anxiety, you know how powerless and stuck these emotions can make you feel. You've tried everything, but nothing helped you overcome these blocks. 
Dr. Friedman Schaub, award-winning author of The Fear and Anxiety Solution, created a special program which helped thousands of his clients to become healthy, happy, and confident again. Learn how to eliminate negative self-talk, let go of your emotional baggage, and replace limiting beliefs. With Dr. Friedman's accelerated program, you can break through your challenges. Visit thefearandanxietysolution.com. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. For centuries, spiritual traditions have talked about how humans have an energy field, or aura, surrounding them. Although skeptical scientists refuted this for decades, science is now beginning to catch up with spirituality. Scientists can actually measure light emanating from living beings, so they can measure the human aura, which in scientific terms is known as the biofield. Many medical practitioners around the world use an instrument to evaluate a patient's biofield for the purpose of diagnosing illness. They understand that imbalanced or insufficient light in a person's energy field indicates a physical or emotional problem. The good news? There are ways to balance and increase your light, resulting in greater well-being. For more information, please check out StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. How many times do you find yourself saying, it was nothing, or just doing my job, when really you knocked it out of the park? How did you get like this? Next time someone tells you, great job, you'll know how to accept it and not deflect it by listening to Courage to be Seen Radio with host Sherry Clark. Sherry Clark is an experienced global engineering leader, coach, and mentor. From her experiences one-on-one coaching to corporate consulting and executive coaching, Sherry has learned many women need at least three things to discover and face success. Learn about the ACES program, how to survive male-dominated fields with grace and authenticity, and reach the top without ever once giving up on who you are. Courage to be Seen host Sherry Clark explores the awesome power of your entire self and how far you can go by being more you. Check out her website, CourageToBeSeen.com. You have the courage to be seen. See you later. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on KKNW 1150 AM in the Seattle area and Transformation Talk Radio around the world. Um, You know, Paul, I am fascinated with some of the information in this book. And I tell you, it feels, as I said before, it feels deep. It feels very vibrational. And I feel like when I read it, it's not just about engaging my conscious mind to sort of direct me to, you know, to facilitate something or to expand my consciousness, that there's something deeper that it's trying to trigger. Um, Why is it, I don't know how to say this, is there something in here where they're trying to shift us vibrationally where there's like a, a, a bit of code to it? Absolutely. I mean, all of the books are that way. You know, in the very first book, which is called I Am the Word, the guide said that the books operate on two levels. There are the words in the page, which provide an intellectual context for the reader, but the real book is the vibrational mm-hmm. transmission yeah. that's working directly with the reader. I mean, they go so far in their books as to say, if you're reading the book and you have a question, ask the question, because, you know, they say they operate beyond time. And, uh-huh. you know, they say, while we're dictating the book through Paul, we're also reading the book over your shoulder, yes. you know. And I've heard so many people say, you know, I do it, and I turn the page and get the answer right. to the question I just asked. But, yeah, the books are coded. So all of the, the, all of the books have attunements. 
Um, mm -hmm. Realization has attunements as well. And they say the attunements really are, you know, done through language and the vibration and tone mm. of the language. Right. And that encodes the, the energetic system to support the acclimation to the higher level of vibration they're uh -huh. working with. So they really are supporting their students in this work. That's how I understand it. And people, you can feel it, you know, yeah, from the can. first book, people sort of saying, I read the book, my body's vibrating. Uh -huh. You know, it's common. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know if I said this live or on the break, I actually slept with the book, like, right next to my pillow because I felt like I needed to absorb it in another way. And it, mm -hmm. it probably doesn't matter whether it's across the room, whatever, but it was sort of symbolic, you know, basically saying to my energy field, to my guides, to these guides, um, that I wanted to absorb it on a vibrational level as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So tell us more about The Upper Room. Um, and is this the first book where they, they've talked about this concept? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Uh -huh. um, they've talked about lifting, you know, through all the books. Right. Um, but yeah, The Upper Room was new to me. I didn't know because I was raised sort of an atheist, that there is an upper room in the New Testament, which I didn't know, which is, I guess, where the gifts of the Holy Spirit were huh. gifted to the apostles. I didn't know this until somebody sent me a, a YouTube link to, you know, Mahalia Jackson singing a, a gospel hymn called In the Upper Room. And I went, what? You know, I didn't have any context. It's amazing, yeah. But what the guides say, they say, you know, that we're operating in an octave. An octave is has high notes and note, low notes. They say everything is in vibration or sound. Uh -huh. And reality is we know it is in, as a collective agreement to this octave mm. that we've been born into and we confirm and, you know, we're supporting, you know, right. through our vibrational accord. They say accord, A-C-C-O-R-D, or A-C-H-O-R-D is on a piano. Uh -huh. So everything is in tone. And the consciousness that we hold is claiming our reality for us. And this is, again, individually and collectively. There's a whole collective agreement to what things mean and what things are and what manifestation uh -huh. is. Right. And what the guides are doing is they say that they're transposing the music that we are, the tone that we are, to be played in a higher octave. And they say, if you look at it, any song or any note can be played in a higher octave into infinity. Mm -hmm. You know, just because you can't hear the notes with the human ears doesn't exist. And we're vibrational beings, and what they're doing and supporting us in doing is lifting to the octave above, which okay. they say, again, has high notes and low notes, but is um, it's a different level of consciousness. They've said that the upper room is, is is the highest we can reach vibrationally while we maintain form, while we have a body. You know, there, there are other octaves beyond this, but the density of form, which they're also talking about, they talk about rearticulation. They're rearticulating manifestation to be in the higher the higher frequency. Say more about that. Um, but well, the body well. itself well, I, I'll try. They say that everything that we see, or you just look around the room you're in now, and everything mm -hmm. that you see has a name that somebody else gave it. You know, mm -hmm. I know what a mirror is, I know what a chair is, I know right. what a rug is. And all of these things are divine in form. Mm -hmm. 
because mm-hmm. they say God must be in all things or no thing at all. So it's a very simple, here's the simple example that they've given. Imagine that there's a painting, uh-huh. and you've got one paint, and it's colored with different pigments, and the different pigments go on to a canvas, and say you have a ship, a sea, and a storm, and uh-huh. people playing on the beach, and a shark chasing a swimmer. And you look at the painting, and you go, and you impose all these narrative ideas. Are the sailors going to be okay? Does the swimmer get eaten by the shark? What's uh-huh. the celebration on the beach? But really, they say it's one paint depicted in different ways, in different forms of articulation. Uh-huh. But the source is the same as all things. The guys have said there is one note, and only one note playing in the entire universe, but its articulation is, is infinite. It plays in infinite ways. It, it shows up in different ways. Interesting. So that's my understanding. So the idea of re-articulation in some ways is coming back to the essence of who and what you are so that it can be re-known or re-sung in a higher way. Uh-huh. I mean, they use a lot of metaphors, and one of them for the upper room that really helps me is they say, you know, like you've been living in a basement apartment mm-hmm. your whole life, and you've got your ex's clothes in the back of the closet, and you've got your old, your old bills and your yearbooks and, you know, your mother's prized brooch and, you know, all these things, the photo albums, all of these things that we assume make us who we are. Mm-hmm. And they say, imagine that you're lifted, imagine that you're lifted or you're given an apartment, say, on the 10th floor. It's uh-huh. a pristine apartment. And you go up to the apartment, you go, wow, this is really amazing. But what about my ex's sweater and all of my bills and all of the things that I thought made me who I am? Uh And we go right back downstairs trying to lug this stuff with us. And in the higher vibrational field, not all of that stuff gets to come. You know, it it can't be held there. The guides have said that everything that's been created in fear is going to be, you know, recreated or renown in a higher way. That's Mm -hmm. part of this process that humanity is in. They said that 10 years ago in the first book. They say humanity is at a time of reckoning, and a reckoning is a facing of oneself Mm. and all of one's creations. So what you're doing by going to the upper room, if I understand the teaching correctly, is in many ways you're letting go of the ideas of who you are, what you should be, and how things should be known, because Mm -hmm. should is always based in an historical context. You uh-huh. can't have a should without something to compare it to. Right. And to move into what they call the infinite now, which is to move into the awareness of the presence of the divine, which can only be accessed in the now, you have to sort of let go of some of the, the ways we've known ourselves or known the world. Mm-hmm. They say the purpose of the small self, which is the personality structure, is to replicate the old that knows itself through history. I was my mother's favorite son. I mm-hmm. was the one that, you know, didn't get the promotion. Mm-hmm. These ways of self-identification we tend to perpetuate. And they say there's a true self or the aspect of the divine that's present is all of us that is unafraid, that doesn't carry all that data. Mm-hmm. And that's who expresses in the upper room the true self, not the idea of who we should be but who we are beyond the mask and beyond the costume. They call it the masquerade. Beyond uh-huh. the masquerade, right. that's who expresses in the upper room. Interesting. We have to go to another quick break, but stay tuned for more with Paul Selig here in just a few moments. Guy Snow, practitioner at Stellar Reflections with a Stellar Reflections Minute. 
So many people these days are trying to find ways to relieve their stress. What happens to our breathing when we're feeling overwhelmed and stress? When we tune in, we realize that we're either holding our breath or taking very shallow breath. To signal the body that all is well, which most of the time it is, sometimes all that is needed is a nice, deep breath to break the cycle. First, exhale to get all the stale air out by engaging the abdominal muscles and blowing gently. Next, take a nice, full breath in, feeling it fill your body all the way down to your hips. Release fully and enjoy the freedom of movement. Notice how your body feels. Do you feel refreshed? Calmness is only a breath away. This has been a Stellar Reflections Minute. For more information about what we offer at Stellar Reflections, visit us at StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Your money is your creational energy when you feed your wealth back into what you love. It signals your choices and returns to you. Tune in to Money Momentum with host Karen Baines and learn the truth about the widely misunderstood creative energy that is the cash in your pocket. Realign the things you can't see to get the results you can see. Listen every month for a whole new hour on how to get the money already aligned to who you are. For more information on Karen and Money Momentum, visit soulwhispers.uk. This is Debbie Pokornik with a moment for standing in your power. Self-control begins with noticing how different feelings present themselves in your body. When you're feeling sensitive, for example, your chin might quiver, tears might well up in your eyes, and your voice might catch in your throat. Anger, on the other hand, might appear as tension in your jaw, back, or arms, along with clenched fists, heat in the upper torso, scowling, and a strong desire to yell. The more aware you become of your body cues, the easier it will be to recognize when you're on the road to disaster. Choose the emotions that cause you problems, then start noticing and logging the body cues that come with them. For information and to work with Debbie, visit EmpoweringNRG.com. That's EmpoweringNRG.com. Are you meeting your sales goals? Or maybe your business plan could use a dose of the divine. Tune in to Divinely Driven Results with faith-based business coach Elise Smith on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Coach Elise Smith helps listeners get unstuck from their business plateau and become empowered through divine guidance. Build up belief in yourself and your dreams and learn business strategies that work for you for real lasting results. Learn more by visiting www.DivinelyDrivenResults.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance. From the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On the Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Welcome back to the Kristen Upchurch Show here on KKNW and Transformation Talk Radio. 
Um, I'm talking to author and channel Paul Selig. Um, His latest book is called Beyond the Known, Realization, a channeled text. And this is really book one of a trilogy, isn't it, Paul? Yes, it is. So they talk about the upper room, and you were describing what the upper room is. But my question to you is, how do we get to that that higher level frequency, that upper room? That mm-hmm. um, are there particular steps we can take? Well, yeah. I mean, the guides take their readers through a process to get there, and a lot of it's really just about willingness. It's about the willingness to release the old ideas of who we are, what form and matter is, and what it means to be expressed. Uh-huh. or realized as who we are. Um, there are attunements that they work with. As I said you know, earlier, the attunements are encoded. And, you know, there's one that they've been working with for some time. And they say these things are claimed by the true self, not the personality self, but the aspect of itself that truly knows who he, she, it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the attunement is, I know who I am in truth. I know what I am. I know how I serve in truth. Mm-hmm. I am free, I am free, I am free. The claim I am free, they say, is about moving beyond the agreements that were made in lower vibration to all of those things. Ooh, I like the that. The limitations of who we think we can be and who we truly are. I, I love that concept point. of freedom. Yeah, oh yeah. It, it, it's the whole point. You know, uh-huh. so I am free of the mooring to the lower octave, uh-huh. to the idea of who I have been through those agreements, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a citizen, what it means to be young or older, the concepts of beautiful or less than beautiful, all of those things that we've inherited, that we give all this attack, attachment and power to. The claim I am free supports us in the lifting, and they say it's a very simple claim to lift to the upper room is to mm-hmm. claim I am in the upper room. The true self, which they say is the indwelling God, the God within, you can call it any name you wish. Some uh-huh. people call it the indwelling Christ or the true self or the universal self or the eternal self or the monad is what the guides often call it. Hmm. They say that self is already an expression in the upper room. So the claim, I am in the upper room, is claimed by the true self. They do this in workshops all over the place. Uh-huh. And the books do it, too, and you can feel it. I mean, the whole yeah, room you can. can feel it. You literally feel the whoosh of energy as you're lifting. And then the challenge for me has been, well, okay, I can get there, but how do I maintain it when I'm still frightened and still confused mm-hmm. and still stuck in my ideas of who I've been and who I should be and right. the baggage I haven't dislodged. And that seems to be what they talk about in the book that follows, and that's the book that's out this August, which is really about the process of of releasing these ideas of self mm-hmm. that serve as, as obstacles to our, our realization, mm-hmm. the things that we've held in our pockets, the rocks, the stones that weighed us down, that have right. to be emptied so that we can lift. And again, it's vibrational lifting. It's lifting in consciousness, lifting in tone. I, so that's I, how I understand it. And it seems to me that, um, based on my own personal experience as well as some of my professional experience, that we have 
attachment to our definition of who we are, not just our stories, but there's like this, there's this, we get this sense of who we are and we have great attachment to it. And when that is threatened or when we surrender to something more, it's very disorienting. Yeah, it is. It's frightening. It's a death in some ways, Uh you know. And I think a lot of us experience this, you know, through challenge, like when the marriage that we thought would always be there ends, Mm -hmm. and then who am I now, or the career that was always supposed to be there stops, who am I now, Mm -hmm. you know? Or when the body begins to fail, who am I now, Mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, we we know ourselves through these things, and they're there to be learned through. But the guys, I suspect, would say, and they're not who you truly are, mm-hmm. and they never have been. Right. And a lot of our problem, they say, is just misidentification. They actually say, and they say this in the next book, um, that the only real problem we're facing and that humanity faces is what they call the denial of the inherent divine, mm. the presence that must be in all things. Right. But we're so we've denied it in ourselves, and we deny it in everybody else, and Absolutely. we want to have the convenience of being right. Mm-hmm. You know, the guides mm-hmm. say self righteousness is always the small self, mm-hmm. and our need to condemn others is self condemnation. Finally, they say, and it's a real simple teaching: yeah. what you damn damns you back. Yes. You can't be the light and hold another in darkness. Right. You know, who you put in darkness calls you to that darkness. Uh-huh. And we're doing this, and just look around at the world oh, right yes, now, absolutely. the epitome of that. It is. And we're not going to change if we continue to do this. I and mean, we might destroy ourselves, they say. Mm-hmm. We, have, we can learn through that if we want to. Right. But there are other options, and one of the options seems to be to lift to a higher perspective, to an awareness of the inherent divine that you can't do when you're busy in Self, you know, self-condemnation or condemning of others, right. which they say again is the denial of the divine, the inherent divine. You can't. They say you can't make anything holy. It's already holy, but mm-hmm. you can deny the divine anything you want to. Then that's your experience of it. Right, and it seems to me that there's an aspect of um, compassion that's important, where we have compassion for condemning ourselves and com- compassion for those yeah. who are in darkness. Um, because it's, it is denying the divine. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you don't help anybody. The guys have said, you know, you can't lift the wicked man to the upper room because mm-hmm. you've made him evil. You know, you've made him wicked. Right. So the way to lift him is to realize who he is beyond his acts, beyond what he believes he is, beyond his choices. Mm-hmm and to know the inherent divine that must be there, because if it's not there, it can't be in anything. You know, we really have a choice. We don't get to cherry-pick, you know, who's worthy of the divine. As they say, it's the height of hypocrisy, the the, the fraudulence of of many religious belief systems. You know, we get to go to heaven, and you sure don't. Right. Oh, absolutely. It's it's cherry-picking. It's ridiculous. So if we observe the divine in somebody who is struggling in darkness. Does that affect them? I'm told it does, yes. I mean, consciousness, they say, informs matter. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it. And, you know, it's again, what you damn damns you back. What you call into low vibration claims you in accordance with it. This is all about entrainment and vibrational agreement. You can call it law of attraction, I guess, although the guides 
don't use that term at all. Uh-huh. But they do speak about vibrational accord, and they always say A-C-C-O-R-D or A-C-H-O-R-D is on a piano. Uh-huh. And the cool, you know, what that's all vibration. Right. And I used to say to them stuff like, well, you know, but I didn't create the war in Iraq. And they say, no, but you're, you're in accord to it because your consciousness holds it. And how you hold that thing in consciousness informs it. Mm-hmm. And if you wish to lift it, you can lift it you know, which is to know the presence of the inherent divine that must be there and all those involved in spite of all appearance. Right. Because other than that, you're just denying the presence of God, which they say, or whatever you want to call God, uh-huh. which just is confirming the darkness and empowering the darkness. I mean, this isn't a, this isn't a teaching about spiritual bypassing or denying sure. things. It's yep. about realizing, realizing, which means knowing mm-hmm. the presence of the divine in what is unlikely, what is inconvenient, what is challenging, what is painful. Because then we can transform what we see and transform our relationship to it. Yeah. But it, know, it's not it, convenient, I'll say that much. Yeah. And it's, and particularly, I think these days here in the United States, um, there are many of us who've been on our conscious journeys who are facing the frustration of, like, okay, well, we've. You know, we've we've meditated, we've shifted our lives, we're in service to others, and yet we still have this darkness, you know, that that is manifesting in a variety of ways. Um, so it sounds to me like the teachings are saying we must see the divine in all aspects of that um, in order to, not only for us to be in the upper room, but in order to give others within that darkness the opportunity to get into the upper room. Yeah, you know, which who you put in darkness calls you to the darkness. It can't be more simple than that. Yeah. And one of the things the guides say, and they, they started speaking about this stuff in the Book of Truth, which was a couple of books ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they say, you know, truth is here. It's, it's present. And what it's basically, they say, what's going to be happening is, is it's almost like an archaeological dig. Everything that's been buried is mm. going to be brought to the surface, yeah. and that's not to make it wrong or to condemn it so that it gets light. Yes, Nothing gets healed until it's brought to the light, and that includes the darkness that we hold within us. Right. It has to, you know, because our physical reality is, is in many ways an outpicturing of, of what we hold inside. Mm-hmm. You know, and they've said as much, you know, like if you have a dead body buried in the basement, it's going to stink up the whole house one day, sure. you know. Yep. And so that's this process of an, or the attic or the back of the closet or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I suspect that that's some of what we're all going through and what we're perceiving now. And none of it, I think, is comfortable mm-hmm. to the personality self at all, right. you know, but yes. it's part of the process of waking up and, and re-perceiving. Mm-hmm. That's how I understand it. We're going to go to another quick break, but stay tuned for more, including Paul is coming to Seattle, and he's also going to be in L.A. So stay tuned for more with Paul Selig here in just a few moments. Have you been seeing numbers like 111 and 222 everywhere you go? Do you feel that the universe may be trying to get your attention, perhaps offering a message of some sort? As it turns out, numerical patterns and certain types of geometry form the very fabric of our reality from cells under a microscope to the astronomy of our night sky. At Stellar Reflections, we offer special sessions which tap into these patterns designed specifically to support you on your journey. 
The 111 and 222 activations are sessions activating new patterns in your energy field, which in turn can help you create new patterns in your life. After just one session with a practitioner, either in person or via distance, clients report gaining greater clarity, becoming more intuitive, and honoring their inner truth as they move forward in their lives. Curious about what these transformational sessions might do for you? Call 425-999-9836 or visit StellarReflections.com. That's StellarReflections.com. Have you lost a loved one and would desperately love a sign to prove that they are okay? Here's a tip for you. Be curious. Keep an open mind about everything. The proof will come from the most unlikely places. The messages promise to challenge your current beliefs in what you've been taught. Accept and appreciate all, no matter where they come from. I'm Angie Corbett Kuiper. I would love for you to share your signs from beyond on my closed Facebook page, Beyond Grief. What is a brilliant culture and how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you align your culture with your business strategy for exceptional results. Looking for a culture that drives organizational excellence? Listen to Cultural Brilliance Radio, the second and fourth Friday of each month at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit culturalbrilliance.com. I'm Christine Upchurch, and this is a Stellar Reflections Minute. For centuries, spiritual traditions have talked about how humans have an energy field, or aura, surrounding them. Although skeptical scientists refuted this for decades, science is now beginning to catch up with spirituality. Scientists can actually measure light emanating from living beings, so they can measure the human aura, which in scientific terms is known as the biofield. Many medical practitioners around the world use an instrument to evaluate a patient's biofield for the purpose of diagnosing illness. They understand that imbalanced or insufficient light in a person's energy field indicates a physical or emotional problem. The good news? There are ways to balance and increase your light, resulting in greater well-being. For more information, please check out StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Welcome back. We are talking to Paul Selig. And, Paul, I'm really excited to hear that you are coming to Seattle. Um, you're I coming am. to East West, right? I am. And it looks I'm, like Wednesday, February 19th. Mm-hmm. Which is... Yeah, I'll be doing a channeled evening. That's just a week from, a week from Wednesday. Coming. Yeah. This is fabulous. The way forward. I love that. So um, for those of you who are curious about how to register, and I would always pre-register for East-West Bookshop events if you can because they do run out of space, uh, go to eastwestbookshop.com. And I imagine it's on your, a link's on your website too, right, Paul? Yeah, it's, it's paulselig.com, and there's a calendar there. And yeah. you, can, you can register there as well. Great, P-A-U-L-S-E-L-I-G.com. All right, so I know that you've got a very personal and expansive relationship with your guides. They channel through you. Um, what's your perspective on uh, who guides are and, and, and what purpose they serve for us? Well, I mean, I think that there are personal guides, you know, and those are the, the ones that are sort of helping us, steering us, helping us sort of realize our soul's path and, you know, supporting us perhaps a bit more in the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the guys that work through me are teachers. So I get some of that stuff from them. I get support from them on, say, not making choices based in fear. Mm. But most of what I get from them is in the moment, in the day. I'm not being, nobody's telling me the lucky numbers or where I'm going to meet my mate or if I'm <laughs> ever going to meet one. And right. I love that stuff. Yeah. You know, I go to other people for that stuff. Uh-huh. But, you know, that's not their agenda. So the guys that come through me are teachers, and they're here for a specific reason. And it's an interesting relationship. I mean, you know, I've seen a couple of them, you know, mm-hmm. visually. I'm, But primarily, I'm a clairaudient and a clairsentient. And, um, you know, I feel it, and I understand the experience of them through the transmission and the feeling physical energy that comes with it. Uh-huh. So I think people have different relationships with guides, and different guides are here for different things. You right. know, I used to, um, you know, I read for people. I don't do medical readings, you know, but sometimes somebody will show up with something, and there would be this Chinese guy that would show up with a long braid, and he used to, you know, grind up powders. I used to see this, and then oh, pack wow. them into the energetic field of the person. I'm like, what the hell is this? I had no idea. Yeah, it was really interesting. And I suspect if that was more of my work, I'd be getting more of those guides. Uh-huh. You know, when I first started doing, when I first began to develop, I was doing energy healing. Sure. And I was volunteering at a center for people who were mostly, you know, dying of AIDS in mm-hmm. the early 90s. Right. And um, I began to develop as a clairsentient, and I could feel what was going on in people's bodies at that time. Mm-hmm. And now most of the work that I do with people isn't hands-on and is reading. And so I step into people. You know, I can step in my clients in Vancouver. I can step in. I feel what it's like to be them. But Mm -hmm. I'm primarily accessing the emotional, mental information or the spiritual information at a higher level that's there for them to to be supported by or the people in their lives. So I think that we're given guides to support us in, in what we're here to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like that, truthfully, you know, so I've, I've read for, for, I've read, read for healers and I've seen nurses show up, you know, like uh-huh. in World War One, you know, nurses uniforms. And I go, wow, that's amazing. But, you know, the nurse is still there chugging away and supporting, mm-hmm. you know, this person and the work that they've chosen to do. So I'm, I'm kind of curious about your perspective. I've gone from doing a, doing and teaching a whole lot of energy healing to sort of shifting to be more more concerned about bringing forth information that and that can help people to expand. Um, so it's really about self empowerment as opposed yeah. to healing per se. Does that? Do you think that perhaps my group of guides has changed? I think as we as we develop, we get other guides to support us in what we need to do next. Uh-huh. You know, I I don't know that the guides that are teaching through me are the first guides that I worked with when I began to open up psychically. My kind of hunch is, is that my vibration was probably a lot lower, you uh-huh. know, and sure. perhaps they were there and helping me in this, in this, in this way. You know, my first experience with what I think of as a guide happened when I was probably four or five years old and it was uh-huh. an out of body experience. I never forgot it. And I still don't know what happened except I was floating on my ceiling watching this being hovering over my bed talking to me, uh-huh. you know, and, uh, and I don't know what it was. And to this day, I'm like, tell me what was said. Uh-huh. What did I agree to? Who was that? Right, you know, it was right. beautiful. 
So, you know, but I do think that we, as we develop, we're, it's just like going to school. You know, you get your first grade teacher, that's a different, perhaps. Your first grade teacher sure. knows how to deal with first graders. You go to college, you got a college teacher. The requirements mm-hmm. are different because right. you can handle it. Yeah. And I think as we're developing, we're taught as we can be, as we can be taught mm-hmm. at that level. And I think that's wonderful. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, it's really fascinating. Um, so... We just have just a couple of minutes left. This has really flown by. In a minute or less, can you share with our listeners um, a message? Well, I mean, I'm just going to tell you what I'm getting. I'm not channeling. I just, but I did hear it. And I heard, don't trust fear. Mm. His <laughs> action is to claim more of the same. Stop agreeing to fear. It claims itself through you. Uh-huh. If you wish to be fearful, choose it. If not, say thank you, no, period. I'm just saying period. And that was them. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I just love this. Um, okay, I want to talk about your events one more time. You are down in L.A. right now. You're about to do Conscious Life Expo tonight. Is that right? Uh-huh. That's correct. Yeah, that's really exciting. So for our L.A. listeners, um, go check out Paul Selig at, at Conscious Life Expo. And for those of you in the Seattle area, and I know we've got lots, lots of listeners here in Seattle, you are coming this a week from Wednesday, is that right? Yep, on the 19th. And, and I'm going to be in Portland on the, uh, the 15th and 16th great. for a weekend workshop. Okay, great. And uh, you can learn more about his tour at paulselig.com. Also, if you want to register for his event or um, Panache the size event which is also um coming up at east west it's actually at a church but it's sponsored by east west go to eastwestbookshop.com paul i want to thank you for joining us here today and for um being willing to show up in this way for the world well thank you i'm glad to be here and i want to thank you for joining us here to get again and uh, i look forward to talking to you again soon if you want to listen to this in the archives you can go to TransformationTalkRadio.com or ChristineUpchurch.com. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at ChristineUpchurch.com, where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.